On March 8th of this year, this place, this auditorium was just jumping. We had 454 people here and we were so excited. People were worshiping and we were on a mountaintop. And then seven days later, we had 13 people in this auditorium. On that Friday before the Sunday that we went to the live stream, I spent the entire day praying and fasting, asking God, you know, what is it we are supposed to do as a church? And after we had our elders and trustees and some other pastors in the community and mentors come together, we thought the best way to love our community and to be able to care for others was that for the first time in the history of the jar, we would not actually meet live in a celebration, but we would try this thing called a live stream. And so in a matter of a week, we went from 454 to 13. And that first Sunday that we were meeting for the live stream began my wilderness experience. And maybe it was a wilderness experience for you. It was a wilderness experience for our entire world because a pandemic had hit and we weren't sure what we would do next. And just being able to do the live stream was a really kind of weird thing because now I didn't have a group of people that was creating energy and I knew they were there with me and for me. But now I was just looking at these three different cameras And it was a wilderness. And each Sunday when we would come into this place, this auditorium actually became more of a wilderness to me. Because it was so difficult not to have people who were here and were with me. But then after a little bit, we decided that, hey... The pandemic is clearing up. It looks like things will be a little bit safer. And so we came back public on June 21st. And on June 21st, I was so excited because I was like, man, we're going to finally be able to get out of the wilderness. But man, was I wrong. Only about half of the church came back because many of our people were still nervous or scared or had different conditions that would not allow them to come. And then church really didn't feel the same. I remember one uh, day just telling Jen, it just it feels weird. And she goes, Chris, it is weird. You had to get a reservation, if you remember. And we had to have like, you know, the social distancing and mask and no hugs and no handshakes. And it just felt like we were living in a wilderness. And then a few weeks ago, we started seeing the COVID numbers in our city and our county and the surrounding counties going up and up and up. And for us to be able to love our neighbor and to be able to keep people safe, we made the decision again to choose to not meet live, but to meet on the stream. And it just felt like we were back in the wilderness. And the truth is, is that sometimes I even wonder, are we ever going to get out of this thing called COVID-19? I mean, yeah, vaccines coming and all of that, but it just feels like we're stuck 
in a wilderness. Can, can any of you relate to that? I can almost see your hands from the other side of whatever device you're looking at because we all know that. Because it feels like a wilderness. You see, in a wilderness, it's barren. It's dry. It's desolate. It, it feels as if we're all alone. And one of the images that we often find in Scripture is that of wandering in the wilderness. Now, the truth is, is that for all of us right now, the wilderness is COVID. We just feel like we've been in this long wilderness kind of season. But I have a feeling that for some of you, that you're going through some other deeper wildernesses even than COVID. For some of you, it might be your job and you're in the wilderness in your job and you're wondering, should I stay or should I go? For others of you, maybe it's your marriage. Like you were struggling before COVID and now COVID's come and it's been a really difficult year for your marriage and you're wondering to yourself, should I stick with this marriage or not? Maybe for others of you, it's the issue that you've been dating someone, you've been dating this guy, and you've been dating and dating and dating and dating, and he's never asked you to marry him. He's always on his video game, like into the wee hours of the night, but he's never asked you the question And so you're starting to wonder to yourself, in this wilderness, should I get out now? Should I go ahead and try to connect maybe with somebody else? Maybe for others of you, it's a financial wilderness. You're in debt and you're just wondering, am I ever going to get out of this? And this kind of wilderness experience just keeps going on and on and on. And COVID just kind of, uh, kind of, you know, magnifies it. And when we're in the wilderness, when we're alone, when we feel like there's no one else around, we really begin to feel lost. We feel like we may never get out. Of the wilderness. Well, the good news that I have for you today is that we are not the only people to ever struggle with a wilderness experience. In fact, the reality is when you think of the family of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they understood what it was like to be in a wilderness. I mean, just think about it. If you know the story, Mary is a statistic. She is a pregnant teen, and she finds herself in the wilderness. Joseph is engaged to this woman, and he loves her so much, but he knows that this is not his baby, and he feels cheated on, and he's in the wilderness. And then an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says these words. The angel said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? What's it mean? God with us. 
Let's all say that again, whatever room you're in or how you're watching this. God with us. You know, the truth is, when you're in a wilderness... Many times you don't have an angel of the Lord that comes to you like Joseph did. But many times when you're in a wilderness, you just wonder if God is around at all. Many times it's very, very difficult and it feels as if God isn't there at all. And you begin to question, is really God with us? And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's your first fill-in. If you want to put it on your app, you can, or you can write it down, and it's this. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to actually depend on God. Now, this morning, I want us to look at an Old Testament uh, story that is found in 1 Kings. It's a story that really relates to this whole idea of being in a mountaintop and then into a wilderness kind of experience. Now, the story is about a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. He was a pastor, uh, kind of like today, like, like me, but not as good looking because he had long hair and a beard, you know, that kind of stuff. So not quite me, but a lot closer to God than me. I'll tell you that. He, he was so close to God that God would actually speak to him regularly. He would hear his voice and would tell him different things. And he saw all kinds of healings take place. God actually used him to raise a small child that was dead to raise that child uh, up into life. And then he saw the power of God. There was a time in which he and some other prophets were kind of crying out to God. One group was crying out to Baal. There were 300 300 of them, and they're crying and crying out to God. And there's only Elijah crying out to his God, and God brings down fire and like smokes the other prophets and Elijah is left, and all of a sudden, Elijah kind of has some clout in Israel. Everyone's kind of looking up to him, and that did not make somebody happy, and that was a king by the name of Ahab. Let me give you a little context. Ahab was an evil king, and his wife was even more evil. Her name was Jezebel. And there's this fight that's going on in Israel because people are kind of following Elijah and listening to him more and more than they are Ahab. And they're getting upset, this couple, this king and queen, because he's taking, you know, all of their authority away. And so Ahab tries to go after him, but he's a little afraid of God. So he doesn't pursue him with all the might. But Jezebel is like, we're going to take him out. And buddy, if you're not going to do anything, I'm going to step in. And so she sends a message and she actually tells Elijah, tomorrow at this time, you're going to be dead. I mean, here's Elijah. He's never really been afraid of Ahab so much. But then you have a woman come after him and he gets afraid. And I understand Elijah because when my wife is not happy, I get very nervous. And 
I become afraid when my two daughters are upset. I become afraid when women who are leaders in the church are upset. I become afraid. I don't want to tell you that because I'm afraid you'll make me afraid. But that's it. And this is where the story of Elijah is at. And Jezebel threatens Elijah. And this is what the scripture says. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. How far do you think Elijah had to run? Go ahead in the room that you're in or just think to yourself, uh, throw out a number. How many miles do you think he ran? Well, scripture tells us he ran a hundred miles away to get away from this woman. Now, some of you guys are like, I know a woman that I'd like to get 100 miles away from, okay? Don't look at them. Don't point at them right now, okay? But this is what's going on. And so he's scared, and he runs 100 miles away. And the scripture says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he went a day's journey into the wilderness, Now, just imagine, he's experienced all these mountaintop experiences. He's seen God move in incredible ways, uh, powerful ways. He's seen the dead resurrected. Uh, He's seen healing take place. He's on a mountaintop, and now he's running. And where's he running to? He's running to a wilderness. He's alone. He's afraid. He's desperate. He came to a broom bush, the scripture says, and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And then he said the words that so many of us have said before when we're in a wilderness experience of our life at different times. And he simply said this, I have had enough, Lord. I have had enough, Lord. I just can't take it anymore. I can't deal with anything else. I'm at the end of my rope. I have had enough, Lord. Today, I have a feeling that many of you are at that point. You're at a point in your life where you're just like, because of COVID or something else, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. I can't go anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. Like I said, with COVID, all of us are kind of like, God, we have had enough. I've had enough, Lord. Maybe for some of you, it's your job because you're in a work environment that is so toxic and everyone doesn't get along and it's just a struggle to get up and go to work. And you're like, Lord, I have had enough. Maybe you're a student, whether you're in college or high school or middle school, elementary, and you're doing e-learning. And you're so tired of e-learning and Zoom, and you just can't stand it anymore. And it feels like there's no connection whatsoever. And you're just like, Lord, I have had enough. Maybe for others of you, you have some finances that you're struggling with and you're in debt and then the car breaks down or, you know, the toilet overflows or the two-year-old takes a tic-tac and sticks it up their nose. And then you've got to like go to the ER 
and in the midst of a pandemic and you're like, that's it, God. I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. I'm at the end of my rope. Well, I want you to know this is where Elijah is at. He's had enough. I mean, he's been this prophet who has followed God and and done the things of God. But now he's like, I can't take any more, God. This woman is coming after me. I mean, I've seen your miracles. I've seen your power. I've seen all kinds of things. But the truth is, God, I have had enough. And sometimes we're like that. We've experienced God moving in some great ways. And we've been reading our Bible and we're praying and we're watching on the live stream. We're inviting people to the live stream. And yet it just feels like we're stuck in the wilderness in a pit. And we can't get a break. And this is Elijah. This is his life. He's running away from this woman Jezebel. And he's fearful and he's stressed. And he becomes exhausted and overwhelmed. Do any of you feel that way today? You're just exhausted and overwhelmed. You're just running and running and running and running. And now you got all the Christmas shopping and the kids and you're running and running. But no matter how much you run, it feels like It's still not your best. You're trying to do your best, but you realize your best is not enough. And when you get that exhausted and that overwhelmed, you get tired. Is there anyone tired in Muncie? Is there anyone tired in Delaware County or Blackford County or Henry County or Randolph County or Jay County or Madison County or whatever county you're in or what state you're in? Are you tired? In Indiana, if you're not from Indiana, when we're really tired, like really, really tired, we don't just say that, hey, I'm tired. We say, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm just tired. You know how you spell that? T-A-R-D. I'm just tired. Yeah. And that's the way Elijah felt. And maybe that's the way some of you feel. Several years ago, I went to a pastor's conference and there was a Christian psychologist there by the name of Henry Cloud. I'd encourage you to read any of his stuff. His name's Henry Cloud. And this conference for pastors that I went to, when I walked into the auditorium, I was overwhelmed and I was exhausted. I was just tired. I was just tired. And I'll never forget Henry saying to this group of pastors, he said, how many of you are tired? And I mean, it's like all of the hands. There were like thousands and thousands of pastors and like almost every hand goes up. And then he said this. He said, the truth is, is that many of you are misdiagnosing what you really need. The issue for you is not just that you're tired, 
Because if you were tired, you could go ahead and take a nap and the problem would be solved. But the issue isn't that you're tired or that you need physical rest. But the issue is, is that you need spiritual replenishment. You're not just tired, but you're spiritually depleted. You're not just tired, but you're spiritually depleted. I have a feeling that this might be speaking to some of you right now. Some of you feel overwhelmed and exhausted and tired, but the truth is what you're really experiencing is spiritual depletement. You just feel spiritually like there's not a time you can remember recently where you felt the presence of God. Now, uh, some of you may be physically tired. You, you have sleep cycles all messed up and you need to do that. But I have a feeling that for most of you, it's not that you're physically tired, but you're spiritually depleted and you need spiritual replenishment. You need to be spiritually replenished. Now, back to our story. What does God do with Elijah when he comes to him and he says, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. Well, first of all, let me tell you what God doesn't do. First of all, God doesn't give him a sermon God doesn't say, hey, here's 10 verses that you should memorize. Uh, He doesn't even look at him and ask him a question like, uh, hey, Elijah, why don't you have more faith? In verses 5 and 6, Scripture says this. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over the coals. And a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. Here's what God is kind of saying in this scripture. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is stop and rest and be spiritually replenished. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is not just take a nap, but actually slow down, chill out, breathe in God, and breathe out your worries and anxieties. Verse 7 says this, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. I love that. It's Part of my favorite part of this story, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Because this is why I love that. Because there's sometimes, folks, I don't hear God or I don't get God uh, exactly what he's telling me the first time. And so he loves me so much that he will not stop pursuing me, just like he loves you and he will not stop pursuing you, that he comes back a second time. And for me, sometimes a third time, a fourth time, Or more. And folks, there are some of you who are watching right now that God is coming back to you a second time. 
You've drifted away, but this is the way God works. Even if you choose to drift more, he'll come back to you again and again and again. The text then goes on to say, the Lord comes back another time and he touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Here, God is asking, why are you running away? What are you doing here, Elijah? What is it that you are doing here? Today, God may be asking you a similar question. What is it that you're doing here? Why are you stuck here? You know better than that. What, I, what is it that you're doing here? Why is it that you're trying to run towards the opinions of everyone else and you're running away from my opinion? What is it that you're doing here? And then Elijah starts getting kind of a whiny voice with God. Have you ever got a whiny voice with God before? I get a whiny voice with God quite regularly. I kind of get whiny when he doesn't answer my prayers the way that I think he should. I get whiny when he doesn't kind of come through the way that I want him to. I kind of get whiny when he doesn't meet my expectations. I just kind of get the whiny voice. And so Elijah gets a whiny voice and he says this, I've been zealous for the Lord Almighty. I've been working hard for you, God. Why don't you do something for me? Why are you leaving me out? I've been doing everything for you. The whiny voice. And then he continues, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. And put your prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You see, he's in a spiritual wilderness, and God's not moving the way that he desires, and so he starts whining. Because he's only looking at his circumstances. And his need is so great that he cannot see beyond his need. And then what does God do? God meets him at his deepest need. Uh, Remember our big idea at the very beginning? It's exactly what you need to remember. That your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. 
Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. And God comes to Elijah again and again and reaches out and meets his deepest need. And then I love this next part that we find in verse 11. We, it says this, the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And here's Elijah, he's thinking, finally, God's going to be here. He's going to meet my needs. I'm not going to have to be scared anymore. I just need his presence. And then it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And I'm sure at this point that Elijah is thinking to himself, it's God. God is in the wind. He's coming with power. He's going to make things right. And yet the scripture says, that God was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Surely that's God. I mean, God is the one who's kind of shaking the ground. Surely he's in the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. He had seen fire come down from heaven before. Surely God was in the fire. And the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper. Folks, it's interesting that God was not in all of these remarkable, natural kind of effects. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But he was in. When I was growing up as a kid, 
whenever there would be this huge thunderstorm that would come and it would wake me out of my sleep. Do you know what I would do? I ran to my parents' bedroom. I'm not afraid to say it. I would take my blankie and I would run to my parents' bedroom because I wanted to be close to somebody who I knew would keep me safe. But my dad was kind of a meanie and he would never let me into the bed. He was like, you're not getting in the bed, boy. You can sleep on the floor, but you're not in the bed. But I would sleep on the bed because I was close to someone who could keep me safe. And when my girls were little and a thunderstorm would come and they would be awakened, they would run to our room and they would come into our bed. And I wasn't like my dad. I was actually nice. So I let them come into our bed. Plus, my wife said, they're coming in here. And the truth is that the reason why my girls came running to our room is because they wanted to be close to us. They knew that in our room it would be safe, it would be okay, and they would no longer be in the wilderness. Folks, let me tell you that when you're in the middle of a storm, You don't have to run to God's bedroom because he's already with you at your bed. Because he's with you and he's for you and he will not walk away from you. And he wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was in a whisper because he is close. And he loves you. And he's for you. And he's with you. And he will not walk away from you. And the problem is, is for some of us, we're so overwhelmed by everything that's going on in our world or the busyness of life. But if you'll slow down enough, he can give you a whisper. Because when you think that no one understands, when you think that nobody cares, he cares, he understands, because who is he? The scripture said, and the virgin will conceive a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us, because God is with you. Why is it that God chooses to whisper? He whispers because he's close. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that wherever people are listening to this teaching right now, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and would you whisper to them to let them know that they're loved, that they're cared for. Let them know that you are close and that you never 
walk away. Right now, I want to ask some of you, are you wandering in the wilderness? Do you feel alone? Do you feel lost? Do you feel like no one understands, no one cares? If that's you, I want to ask you to do something that might be crazy because you might be by yourself or with family or with some friends in a watch party. I just want you to raise your hand and say, yep, that's me, Chris. I'm in a wilderness experience right now. Let me pray for you. Loving God, I pray right now that you would come to each room, to each space, and that you would whisper to each person who has a hand raised. Let them know that they are not alone, that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Comfort their hearts, God, that are hurting. Care for them in their wilderness. Whisper to them today, God, I love you. I'm with you. I will never leave you. You can put your hand down. Finally, I just want to take a moment to talk to some of you who may be watching this for the first time or you've drifted away from God and you're watching this again, but you're kind of been in a wilderness, but you don't have a relationship with God. And so you might be asking, well, who is God? Well, let me tell you. Scripture tells us that God is love. God is love. That's who he is. He he loves you so much. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he says this, no matter what you've done or where you've gone, you are not alone. I'm with you. I'm for you. And he says, I love you so much that I'm going to ask you to come with all the dirty and ugly in your life. We call that sin. And I want you to tell me what it is, but if you'll give that to me, I'll take it away from you and you will be set free. You see, that's what God did with Emmanuel. You see... Emmanuel didn't stay a little baby. He actually became the greatest teacher this world has ever known. And Jesus Christ came because of his love for you, and he taught us how to love one another. And then he said, I'll show you the ultimate act of love. And he went to a cross, and he died on the cross with all of your sins and all of my sins and all of the sins of the world. And he said, now they can be set free. But I don't want to worship a God who just died as a martyr. I want to worship one who rose from the dead. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he said, look, I'm with you. At the beginning, it says God with us, his last words. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He says, I am with you even till the ends of the age. And so today, if your life has not been working out the way that you wanted it, and you're in a wilderness, or you've drifted away from God, today's the day where you can say, God, I need you in my life. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your second chance. I need you to be close to me. When the thunderstorms of life come, God, I need you to be the one that will invite me into your room. And remind me that I'm never alone 
and that you love me and that you whisper because you're close. So if you're ready to make that commitment right now, I'm going to invite you into a prayer for you to give your life to Christ. Today's the day, 2020. Don't go into the new year without making this right. Do it today. And I'm going to invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And you're not praying it by yourself. We're all praying it together. And so I invite you to simply repeat it. Please close your eyes, bow your head wherever you're at, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming into the world 2,000 years ago to save my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.